We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. And welcome to Land Decolonized. I'm Richard Perry, your host. This is the podcast about First Nations taking back control of their lands and resources. It's for chiefs, band administrators, land managers, anyone who's interested in the framework agreement on First Nations land management. In this episode, we will head to north-central Saskatchewan to meet Ty Roberts. Ty is the reserve land manager at Lac La Ronge Indian Band. Now, he's only 30, but very well-versed in land issues and environmental sciences. He also happens to be working on his master's. We'll pick up our conversation with Ty, explaining why, with more than 43,000 hectares of land spread over six communities and 19 reserves, why going the land code route made total sense. Here is our conversation. It's my understanding that because we have so much land and uh, and so many band members and it's spread out, the land is spread out everywhere, we needed to have some kind of system to um, properly manage our land and take care of our land and, and, and create some kind of environmental stewardship of our land. Um, <clears throat> before we, we signed on to the framework agreement and created our land code, um, as most First Nations are in Canada, we were uh, governed by the Indian Act, and there's over 30 land-based sections in the Indian Act, and and taking care of or doing this process has allowed us to opt out of those sections of the Indian Act and essentially regain control of our own land and have say on our own land. So, for such a large First Nation, it's 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 quite a task, and uh, it was much needed. So so we can um, ensure that members, you know, aren't having a difficult time accessing the land and making sure that everyone has equal opportunity to uh, utilize the reserve land. Are there any particular uh, examples you can point to that were problematic before that you've been able to solve because of having your own land code? So it's still an ongoing process of implementing our land code. Technically, we are an operational um, First Nation. And some of the issues that I've um, noticed since since I've come in and taken over as the manager, um, is business regulation and allocation of land. So before, if you wanted to have a business on Lac La Ronge Indian Band land or you wanted to build a cabin on one of our reserves out on the lake, you would have to talk to the the lands manager, the previous lands manager, and they would essentially either have time or not have time to go through the band council resolution system, take it to chief and council, get it approved through that process, and it just lots of people would lots of people fell through the uh, fell through the cracks in this in that process. There was people out there that you know maybe they were on council or they knew someone on council, so it is really good for them to you know kind of push at push at the councillors and push at um, the land manager to say, hey, I want this cabin or hey, I want this business and and 
they were able to attain a piece of land or or create a business on the reserve and some people they they just there just wasn't a process in place for people to access the land so it was kind of on a who you knew basis essentially not uh it wasn't it wasn't a fair or just kind of system that allowed you know everyone's application for a piece of land or a business on the land to to be reviewed by the proper um committee or chief and council so that's kind of something that i found was was just not fair to band members i had band members calling me as soon as i took over this position saying like hey like you know where we have this land code now and it says in the land code that i can there's going to be laws and i can apply for a piece of land and i have to tell them you know sorry we're not there yet we're we have a moratorium on land still and we can't give out land but we're working towards that so we're essentially what this land code is is going to do for us is ensure that every band member has access to the land and the ability to practice our culture on our reserve land um other 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 issues that have come up are of course environmental issues um there's nothing really regulating you know waste management and um pollution on the reserve and and for lack of a better term it was kind of the wild west out there and whatever happened just kind of happened and i have a i have a strong environmental science background so that to me is kind of a, a passion of mine so i when i left to go to school I studied environmental science and now I'm back home um, taking care of our land and taking care of our our environment on the reserve and even off the reserve and adjacent lands is is very, very important to me. Mm. And yeah, if we can talk about your background, I think you went to the University of, was it University of Calgary or University of Saskatchewan? Uh, University of Saskatchewan. So I actually started right. out... Um, I started out in town in LaRange. I started out at the Northlands College. Um, I studied environmental monitoring and protection there. It was a two-year diploma program. Um, it, it just kind of taught me everything I needed to know about sampling, environmental sampling and testing and report writing and things like that. And I, I started work up in the uranium mines in northern Saskatchewan in the Athabasca Basin. And um, I learned a lot up there, great work experience. Um, I just didn't. I, I I felt like there was something more for me. I, I after that I left there. I went to the University of Saskatchewan and I worked on a, a degree in uh, agriculture. So that's where I majored in environmental science and soil science. And after that, I I moved on to a few consulting firms and I was an environmental scientist. So essentially, I was working on environmental site assessments, um, remediation air quality and climate projects and things like that. I ultimately landed at a consulting firm called Can North Environmental Services. And, and Can North is 100% owned by Kitsaki Management Limited Partnership, which is the business arm of Lackland Indian Band. So that's kind of where I started getting into uh, working for my band. Um, and then, you know, growing up, I was always, I, I was born and raised in the tri-communities of Larange, Arange, and Lac Larange. And um, growing up, I was always taught from my family and especially from my dad, you know, to respect the land. And he would show me all of our reserve land. And I always wanted to do something where I could 
protect our land. And after my, my one year stint at Can North, the, the lands manager position came up at Lac Orange Indian Band and I applied and thankfully I got it. And it's been a very challenging and very rewarding uh, experience so far. And I'm really, I'm really liking it. And um, I'm actually doing this job and I'm still in school right now. I'm working on my master's in uh, in sustainability and energy security right now. So hopefully come springtime, I have my master's as well and keep working on the land code. A lot of the communities we've talked to have talked about the environment as being one of the key reasons they went toward a land code. Uh, a lot of outside interests, I guess, were abusing the land in some way or doing things and not looking after it and leaving the band or the federal government to foot the bill for cleanup. So are you at the point now where you can, I don't know if penalize is the right word, but you can take action against somebody that's not following your environmental regulations? So technically we are at that point. Technically under the land code, um, there's a there's a level of fi- uh, fines that we could apply, or, and there's also jail time that we could apply. We would have to have a, a prosecutor involved and hire a, hire a prosecutor for that. But right now, we're working on implementing our land laws, and one of those land laws that's in the drafting process right now is an environmental law. So that'll apply to all 19 reserves. Um, it'll it'll ensure that environmental uh, quality of our lands is is pertinent and it'll make sure that any um, violations of the environmental law will have penalties and and people will have to pay for that so like I said earlier um, kind of the way things were on reserve it was essentially the wild west people just kind of did whatever they wanted they could you know, dig a dig a hole and put some oil in there, and no one really ever thought twice about it. But now we're ta- now that we have land code, and we're we're taking the approach that um, any work that's done on the reserve has to be uh, reviewed by the land code advisory committee, and we have to make sure that any environmental rules that we put in place are followed. Um, a lot of the environmental issues that I see in my office are actually coming from our traditional lands. On reserve, I I feel like, you know, people know that we have the land code. People know who we are, uh, the Lackland Indian Band and the Lands and Resources Department. So companies that do come in and work, they've been very good to us and, and adhering to anything that we request and making sure that we're involved in any processes that happen on reserve. But when it comes to traditional land, which is technically provincial crown land, um, there's a lot of mining companies and extract, like mineral extraction companies that come in. And they follow the duty to consult process through the government of Saskatchewan. But our opinion isn't always necessarily considered. Um, like we can, for instance, we could say no to something, a, a, a mining project, and the government can still turn around and issue those permits. So I think a lot of the environmental concerns, where, whether it's, you know, resource or mineral extraction or, you know, timber harvesting, it's on our traditional land. And the, unfortunately, the land code doesn't apply to our traditional land. So that's a lot of... Um, a lot of the issues that we face, so in, in, in our office here, the Lands and Resources Office, there's myself who handles 
the on-reserve stuff, but I also sit on the traditional lands and resources committee. So we have a coordinator who handles all the off-reserve stuff. So we deal with trappers, we deal with duty to consult, and that's kind of where it comes from. So it's that's the one kind of gap, I guess, in, in maybe the land code and, and the framework agreement side of things is that there isn't really coverage um, off reserve so this is all based on reserve the land code and all of that but anything off reserve it's still a struggle for us it's still essentially a fight sometimes when it comes to um, permission or actually consultation off reserve on our traditional lands. You're trying to earn a place at the negotiating table around something called cows and plows? Yeah so I am not involved in that at all. So that's that, lots of people do call that cows and plows. It'd be the uh, Treaty Six agricultural benefits, and uh, I know that there's a working committee for that, and it's it's pretty heavily reliant on chief and council at this point, and and I don't really have anything to do with that. So any updates that we do get actually come directly from the chief. So long term, that could change the dynamics though, right? I suppose it could add new land or at least some financial resource to the community. Yeah, like what I've, what I've uh, noticed or what I've I witnessed here just being a member of Lac La Ronde Indian Band is that there's bands in the far north, kind of not necessarily our neighbors, but close to us, they're within Treaty 8. And what happened for them was they were given a settlement and, and that settlement was actually paid out to the membership. So I know there's a lot of um, talk, I guess, around town that, you know, that could potentially happen for us. And there's other First Nations that are um, considering this as well. And I just, I don't know where we are at with that, with uh, the Lac Grange Indian Band, but I know that it's a, a possibility in the future for us. It takes quite a long time and there's usually heavy legal um, activity going on. So I wish I could speak more on that one. I'm interested myself just as a band member of the Lac Grange Indian Band, but I, I'm not 100% sure what's going on with that. And, and you mentioned time, and that's one of the benefits, I guess, of land code in that in a lot of typical transactions, you're not waiting two or three years for Ottawa to give its blessing, right? You can make those decisions now. Yeah, exactly. And another another really huge benefit that uh, has come um, uh, come to the Lac La Indian Band is we've been able – we have – we do have agricultural land in Little Red River. So Little Red River um, is – it's about 25 minutes north of Prince Albert. Um, it's It's a – Night, beautiful community. It's it's split in half between Lac La Indian Band and Montreal Lake Cree Nation. And on the Lac La Indian Band side, we have about 30,000 uh, acres of farmland. So that farmland is rented out. And before, the revenue generated from this farmland was all controlled by Indigenous services. And now the, the Lands and Resources Department has full control of the revenue. It has full control of the leasing um so it, it instead of us having to request to get some of our revenue generated on our farmlands we have come up with a system to divvy out all of that revenue that's generated every single year um, on a per capita basis to our six communities so that that's an instant benefit a monetary benefit to our communities for farmland that has been farmed for you know a long long time and we've never really seen benefit from it and now we can so it's huge i saw a recent cbc story about something that lac larange band is helping with and that's providing areas for the homeless 
to live in. I don't know if it's a community center that that, that you're doing that in or where that is, but you're getting a lot of good uh, media coverage over that that assistance you're providing. Yeah, so in the tri-community, there's definitely um, challenges with with homelessness. Um, I know that it's a very high percentage of of the homeless population in the tri-community are band members, and with this cold weather coming we don't have a permanent solution in in the tri-community for homelessness um i know that there's a there's a friendship center in the ranch called kiganak and they are kiganak is going to be um hosting a a homeless shelter like a full-time homeless shelter for the winter and i think that might start here sometime in november but in the meantime it's cold we got a bunch of snow now so uh, the chief and council have set up a temporary shelter at our kitsaki hall so kitsaki hall is um, just located pretty close to the band office Um, typically it's used for for community events or funerals or wakes and things like that but uh, chief and council you know they recognize that there was a bunch of people out on the streets with nowhere to go and it was cold and they needed they needed a warm place to stay the night and they set up a temporary shelter until that uh, shelter at Keganak becomes fully operational. So um, the the village of Arange, the town of Larange, and uh, the Lac Larange Indian Band are are working together right now. There's a committee a committee set up, and they're working together right now to come up with a permanent solution. And I know that there's a donor in Larange um, that is willing to to donate quite a bit of money to get this project started. And we're hoping that in the next year that we can find a permanent solution and have a permanent homeless shelter in Larange. Um, Larange is kind of a hub for the north. I know a lot of people talk about Prince Albert as being the gateway city, but, you know, with populations increasing, Larange is, is a gateway town or gateway city as well. And a lot of people from outlying communities come to town, come to Larange, and, and unfortunately some people end up homeless, and uh, we need to have a permanent solution. I know the chief... Uh, chief stands stands firm on that that we need a permanent solution to help these people and um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having something for them in our community because you know you look in the cities like Saskatoon Regina and Prince Albert they have something for their homeless people um, and and we just don't in Larange and we need to figure that out oh, what a kind gesture and I'm, I can't imagine how grateful those people are for being able to to move in, especially when the cold snap hits. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 we have a really good, uh, leadership team here, like at the Lacarange Indian Band and, and even within the tri community are the mayors of Arange and Larange. They, they seem to come together when, when they're really, uh, when they really need to. And something like this is a, you know, it's a hot topic issue. Like you said, it gets a lot of media coverage and I'm, I'm thankful that, they've come up with a solution for now. And like I said, I hope that they can find a permanent home for, for these uh, homeless people in, in the tri-community. Your chief, Tammy Cook Searson, was recently recognized, I think, by the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. She won this big national award in recognition of her leadership. Talk to me a bit about her and, and what she's like to work with. Yeah, the chief. Um, so she's been our chief for quite a while now. So she, 
she re- received this award just recently and everyone everyone congratulated her and she was very proud and and happy to accept it she's she's a pretty humble person so um she wasn't talking about it too much but um we were all happy that she received it and she she helps keep our band afloat she she does a great job um stepping in when when she needs to step in and she does a great job of stepping back when she knows that there's people in the executive office can can handle certain issues um chief is actually she's working on her i think it's a business degree right now so she's she's not only the chief of one of the largest first nations in saskatchewan and canada she's actually working on a business degree right now so good for her and um she she's she's a busy she's a busy lady and um she i'm really thankful that you know she uh she trusts me to to work in the lands office and any lands issue she always comes to me first and we we always have great conversations and great dialogue um we've been working together throughout the summer on uh, a ground penetrating radar project at the former residential school in Larange, which is located on our urban reserve. So, uh, Chief was able to uh, secure funding for these projects and really t- uh, get these projects, uh, you know, off the ground. We we we, have, we don't have any numbers yet for our our search, but we're still working on it. And you know, without the help from her and the chief and, and the council, we we wouldn't. Uh, be able to give families kind of answers. Um, when did that school close? Do you recall off, off the top of your Yeah, head? so there's actually two schools. So um, it, it opened in 1907, and then it burned down sometime in the 20s, and then they rebuilt it, and I believe it burned down a second time in 1947. Um, I know if... if my cousin Taryn Roberts or uh, Elder John Irving are listening to this, they'll probably call me right away and correct me, but I'm pretty sure it was 1947. And then once that uh, school burned down a second time, all the students were transferred to All Saints uh, Residential School in Prince Albert. So it operated from the early 1900s to the mid 1900s. Um, and it was right downtown LaRange. I had some family members that um, attended that school. And uh, later on, obviously, uh, my 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 grandmother and my uncles and my dad, they all attended All Saints in Prince Albert as well. Yeah. I think the whole country is trying to come to grips with this whole area, especially in light of, you know, the, the whole Kamloops discovery and, and other discoveries right across the country. People, I think, are trying to figure out, okay, how do we... How do we decolonize? How do we get away from that past? And I'd like to ask our guests, you know, what the term decolonization would mean to you or your community. Have you given much thought to that? So for me, it's a, that's a tough question, and it's tough not to answer emotionally. Um, like myself, I'm, I'm an intergenerational survivor. I'm the first... Um, generation in my family not to go to residential school the effects are still felt throughout my family and throughout my community Um, but for me decolonizing would be simply to be heard I don't want you know I don't want people to feel sorry for us or treat us any different but 
um, being recognized and being heard and, and, and letting hearing our truth like there like really there's no reconciliation um, without the truth and I still feel like we're in the truth phase here especially with all of these you know unmarked graves and and things coming out since the Kamloops discovery um, in my in my work I think decolonizing um, can come through this land code and if other First Nations can follow suit then they can potentially decolonize themselves as well. Um, I, I mentioned speaking, I mentioned the duty to consult process, I mentioned traditional lands. For me, I think a key part in decolonizing would be actually hearing us out and actually giving us a fair seat at the table even when it comes to projects on traditional land that aren't on reserve. The reserve system was essentially set up to colonize us and I'm working within the reserve system and with my land code or our land code it manages the reserve but off reserve you know we were nomadic people we still are nomadic people we're not stuck to one place um being stuck on a reserve it just kind of doesn't make sense and by giving us uh more fair a more equal opportunity and and um, uh, having our voice heard on traditional land matters would be huge and decolonizing yeah i know it's a hard question and i as a settler, I feel guilty sometimes asking it. But then I have to realize, too, you know what? It's on us as, as white society. We have to decolonize. We're the ones who set up the system, right? So I hear you. Yeah, and it's like my in my own life, my personal life, I've been able to— <clears throat> I've been able to—I've been fortunate enough to succeed in the quote-unquote colonized education system, right? So I can see things from the traditional perspective that was taught to me by my family, from my dad. And I can also look at things from a Western perspective because, you know, I was successful in K-12 and successful in college and in university and now at the graduate level. Um, I, I see myself as like walking in two worlds, essentially, and it's it's something that... I'd like to see more of within our communities. I know that some people might consider that, you know, a form of assimilation, but in order for us to succeed, in order for us to be heard properly, we need to be able to know our traditional values and also be heard in that Western world. I don't think there's ever going to be a time when the Western civilization or the Canadian way is gone. We're all here we're not we're all here to stay we're not going anywhere but i think that we can all work together and it's been 132 years since we signed the treaty at Molinosa um in in northern saskatchewan and it's been 132 years of hardships but the next 132 years don't have to be that way um our generation can start you know, learning both sides of things and move forward and make things better for our people for generations to come. Yeah. Well, for generations to come, that's a nice segue into your own personal story because your own family is growing. Yeah. Let's, let's end on a, on a personal yeah. note here, Ty. Tell us, tell us the exciting yeah, news. Yeah, so on November 8th, so 
two weeks ago today, actually, we, uh, my partner and I welcomed our firstborn son. His name is Watson Edward Roberts, and uh, he, the middle name Edward comes from my uncle Edward, who passed away uh, not too long ago, and the last thing he said to me was, if you have a boy, you know how to name him. So I sure miss my <laughs> uncle Edward, and I know he's in a better place with the, with all of our ancestors and grandmothers and grandfathers, but he's, uh, he's smiling down on us today, and I'm, I'm happy to be a, a new father and my partner and I are just excited. We have a lot less sleep now, but uh, we're, we're very excited to start our family. So, Well, on behalf of our listeners, uh, I guess by proxy, I will congratulate you and your partner. It's, it's an exciting time in your life, no question about Thank it. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate the time, Ty, and getting your perspective on land code and, and some other things going on there at the uh, Lac Larange. If some of our listeners want to follow up and maybe get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Where do they find so you? So you can find find me um, pretty much every day at the band office in Larange, and uh, you can look us up on llrib.com. Um, uh, I can even give out my email. It's ty.roberts at llrib.ca. So fire me an email. Don't be shy. If you have any questions about land management, if you have any questions about land code, or if you want to hear more about um, our successes or more of our challenges, then just give me a shout at the band office or give me an email. Um, We also have a Facebook page um, and we kind of put up all of our advertisements and uh, job postings and anything that we have. So that's LLRIB Lands and Resources on Facebook. So feel free to give that a follow. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I encourage you to visit the Lac LaRange Indian Band website to see what Ty's community of 11,000 members is all about. And of course, for all things land code related, go to labrc.com for the latest news and some important upcoming events that you can attend online. I'm Richard Perry. Thanks again for listening to Land Decolonized.